Good morning. <coughs> Good morning. Near and far. It's a great joy to share and privilege and awesome responsibility to share the Word of God. I want to thank our, our worship group. Wasn't that lovely? Was worship good this morning? Yeah? I don't know, Phil, if that made you feel young being with that group or old, but... But thank you, thank you so much, Oliver. And ask one thing of you, Oliver, is you remember the prophetic word that was spoken over you years ago. Yeah? And we see it coming into being. Praise God. I want to talk a, a little about the big picture and then some more about the small picture. I, uh, this word has been bubbling in me uh, for some little while. and In fact, it's a second-hand word now because I preached it this morning with, while I was walking the two dogs. <laughs> it did, I must say, it didn't have much impact on the two dogs. Yeah? I hope somehow it has more on us. But it's wonderful. And, and just, I think our home group would be tired of me saying this. But about the Word of God... But what we come together to receive and what we come together to, to hear, what it is the Lord wants to do in our lives each time we come under his word. And for me it was a, a sort of revelation in the, the tail end of John chapter 20. It says Jesus did many uh, other miracles, miraculous signs rather, in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and we'd all say amen to that wouldn't we that the book here the writing is that we might believe that Jesus is the son of God but the verse doesn't stop there it says and that by believing you may have life in his name the book is about having life in his name. It's not simply about believing. It's about receiving from God the very life of God. Yeah, it's about understanding. Yes, it's about uh, hearing. But it's about receiving the very life. We were saved to receive the life of God. So any study of his word, any passage of scripture, if in the end I don't receive life, then somehow I've missed out on the reason that it was being shared. Hallelujah. Nehemiah was an ordinary man used in extraordinary ways to fulfill God's purposes. And the big picture is God's purpose. The big picture is, is what is God doing what is God doing in your life? What is God doing in my life? What is the book about? Well, the book about is the, a great and wonderful God. And I praise God, Oliver, for all, every one of those songs that you sang about the goodness of God. The big picture is about the goodness of God, who out of his goodness created mankind. Mankind fell from grace. 
he fell into sin. He separated himself from the goodness of God. And we read through the whole of the Old Testament how God was working, bringing back his goodness, making known his goodness through a people, through Abraham and his seed. And how his love for these people who were one, one moment hot and the next moment cold, who were for him and against him. And over this, this long period of time to Nehemiah, Nehemiah is something like 600 years after King David. There's been a whole succession of prophets and kings under Solomon, sadly, the, the, the nation was split into two, into Israel and to, uh, and to Judah. But Israel had, had fallen into total apostasy and was sort of taken out by the, the Assyrians. And they intermarried and they lost their Jewishness. And yet there was a, another small, smaller group, Judah, but they're the succession of kings. And they were a mixture of good and bad. And eventually, and it was prophesied, it just didn't happen, that they were, they were taken captive by the Babylonians. And from the, the time where, where, where God began to, and he prof- prophesied that he would restore his people, He would bring a remnant back. He hadn't finished with them. The goodness of God was still throbbing in the heart of God. That somehow this mankind that had lost its way would be restored to him. Hallelujah. I see the outworking of that now. And he sent back Zerubbabel. And we're a hundred years almost later than Zerubbabel when we read this passage in Nehemiah 10, 11 and 12. He sends a rubble back to restore a destroyed temple. Then he sent Ezra back to restore the word amongst the people. And then he sent Nehemiah along with Ezra to protect the people and build a community around the word of God. He's still doing it. But sadly we see in the book of Nehemiah it's, 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 it's strange. In the end I, I, I won't steal Wayne's thunder for next week but it's, it ends on a sad note. After everything the people again begin to fall away. After everything that this book is about and the whole book is about and the power and the glory of God, they fall away under every point that Nehemiah talks about in these chapters. Nehemiah. It's not the story of Nehemiah, it's the story of God working through Nehemiah. A man who dared to have his heart pierced by the love of God, by the word of God. So broken at the condition of God's people and the holy city of God. 
in shambles. It's much more than a book about some divine project manager who oversaw the rebuilding of the walls. Far, far more than that. It's more than six steps to rebuild the walls in 52 days. That is what happened, but that's not the heart of the message. It's about the heart of God ceaselessly working ceaselessly working to restore, renew, and revitalize. And he still does it with me and you. Even though we may not have had the the best week walking with God, he's here. He's here to speak to you. He's here to rebuild the walls. He's here to bring back the word of God. I love Holiday Bible Club, by the way. Not that I've ever been to it, but I love it. That it's, 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 oh gosh, I dug a hole. No, I didn't mean that. Uh, (laughs) But holiday, club, and in the middle of it is Bible. So many children's groups are now where they they had summer events, removed the name Bible because it might be a put-off. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that a tragedy that that should happen? Holiday Bible Club, yes. Praise the Lord. Even with Farmer Giles there. Um, well, not Farmer Giles. There's Farmer Giles in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> I've got two birds with one stone now. <laughs> but it's been the story of restoration. Zerubbabel put the altar back in its place. Ezra brought the Torah back. And now to bring something to this people. God again, working through the third pagan king. Each one of these stories starts off with God moving in the heart of a pagan king. To work in the heart of his people. That's the goodness of God. Even when I'm not listening, he'll find someone who's listening to operate on my life and come alongside me because he wants me restored and he wants the life of Christ in me and you. It's a tragedy that somehow in this story we see that there is something missing that causes at the end of chapter 13 an angry Nehemiah to almost throw his hands up in the air and say, well, remember me. Remember I did some good stuff, Lord, even though it seems not to be working out. can see ourselves having been set free we can somehow lose joy we can lose passion we can lose the fear of the Lord and it can be taken from us by stealth unknowingly that which God has has placed in your life 
gets taken. Not openly mugged, and you know it, but bit by bit, until they fall back. We see it in this people time and time again. Taken by stealth. No longer living in the promises of God. But God has not forgotten his promises. God has not forgotten his prophetic word. God has not promised what he's promised us. And he sends Nehemiah. And we saw that they, that they built this platform and, and, and for seven days the word was read and taught. And they're all saying, Amen, Amen. We're all for it. The missing word has been restored. And yet the issue is the human heart. The issue isn't the word. The parable of the sower is not about the seed. It's about the earth. The seed is good. The seed will always produce. Not like the seeds that I plant in my allotment. When some come up and some don't. The seed is the seed of God that's put in your heart. It's the condition of the heart that determines what happens. That's why we must guard our hearts. We need more than commandments. We need more than understanding. Remember that for seven days they were given understanding about the word. It's more than my intention. We need more than that. And in chapter 10, there's a long list of priests and Levites and leaders. And uh, at the end, the people make a promise. They promise to make an oath to obey the commandments, regulations and decrees of the law. And in Nehemiah 10, we see that they separate themselves from their neighbouring peoples for the sake of the law of the Lord. They do what is right, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand. All these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse, an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God. And they promise not to give their daughters in marriage to the peoples around around them. They take their daughters for our sons, or take their daughters for our our sons. When the neighbouring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or any other holy day. Every seventh year we will forgo working the land and cancel the debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of God, for the bread set set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings, for the burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths and the new moon feasts, and all the appointed festivals for the holy offerings, for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people, have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord of God. It's all full of amazing intention. 
And it, it goes on and on, and it says at the end of that passage, we will not neglect the house of God, our, 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 the house of our Lord. And then it goes on to talk about the dedication of, 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 the, of the wall of Jerusalem. This is now in, in Nehemiah 12. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, the Levites were, who were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps and lyres. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on the top of the wall to the right, towards the Dungay, and the other was to go in a different direction and end up at the Fountain Gate. They continued directly up the steps of the city of David, on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. Two amazing choirs were now celebrating. They've got all the instruments they could lay their hands on. And the two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God. And so did I, together with half the officials as well as the priests. The choirs sang under the direction of Zerahiah. And on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. Would you remember that? God had given them... God had given them... God had given them... Great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Hallelujah. It's an amazing passage. They were organized. They'd received the word from God. They'd have seen God at work. And they'd dedicated the war. There was more organization. The whole of this is about organization. And yeah, we need to be organized. And it, but verse 43, And on that day they offered great sacrifices. They sacrificed. They made sacrifices there. It was a commitment because the Lord had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And yet, as I've said, one chapter later, Nehemiah was called to go back to, uh, to Persia. And after a little while, he returned to Jerusalem, and uh, it was not good. How do we maintain commitment? How do you and I keep what we once had, the joy of the Lord? How is it it doesn't stay with us? How is it we become ought to Christians rather than want to Christians? How is it we don't effervesce with that wonder of that, that you knew when you first came to Christ, when you couldn't read enough of the word, when you couldn't be at enough meetings, not that meetings were the end, but I just, I just love being there. I'd read my Bible at lunch times at work. I'd want to be with Christians. I'd want to learn. I'd want to drink everything the Holy Spirit could give me. Where does it go? 
Well, you say you, 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 you grow up, Ian. You become mature. You know, that's all frothy stuff for new believers. Is it? Is it? Or do we go back to Nehemiah when we read that the joy of the Lord is your strength? The joy of the Lord is your strength. That moving on from that, 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 that early flush of knowing God. And I think the key is joy. In Nehemiah 8, verse 10, it said that. He said it. In the middle of all the, that was going on, the rebuilding, people know the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can I ask a question? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? Is that the thing that, that, that keeps you going, that motivates you? You know, there's not a tomb raider around. There's a joy raider. There's someone who steals joy. But hallelujah, there's a joy giver. There is a joy giver. I can remember on my first, my first missionary journey, yeah, back in uh, 1992, Seven, I think it was. I'd gone to Romania, and uh, we took a coach with us, and we took a lot of aid. And I knew nothing about uh, custom, uh, going through customs and what I needed, paperwork, or anything. I just did it. I just went, and I took uh, had seven people with me, and we took an old coach that we'd borrowed. That was half coach, and it was half like a lorry. It had two tons of stuff in the back, and we took a seven and a half hundred weight lorry as well. So, and we're chugging off, and, but the, the coach kept breaking down. I mean, it, it broke down about ten times. And each time it broke down, uh, we were all Pentecostals, so yeah, we, we stopped and we prayed in tongues. We actually walked around the coach praying in tongues. And it didn't miraculously start, but like turn the engine, so, but we always got it going. So this became a little thing because, and most of the time it was because dirty fuel was blocking the filters. Anyway, we're in the middle of, of Romania and the coach breaks down. And now this isn't fuel. This is something to do with the suspension because the, the coach was overladen. But the back of the coach went right down on its, uh, on its axle. There's no... Uh, but we, And there was a... a, a uh, the driver, who wasn't from our church, of the coach, um, he was a Seventh-day Adventist, lovely Christian. And he'd been watching us do this business of praying in tongues, circling, with a little bit of a sconce about, you know, these strange people. Every time the thing breaks down, they'll walk around praying in tongues, and the, eventually it gets going. And so this major thing, and now this is a test, are we going to pray in tongues, or what are we going to do? So... Anyway, it was late at night. And uh, so we prayed in tongues, and there was nothing we could do. We would park right outside of a, uh, in, a, in a small town, but it was a sort of cafe. Nothing happened. We prayed in tongues, and we settled down to go to bed. And this thought came on my mind about this, um, this man. 
um, the Seventh-day Adventist. And I just got filled with joy. I just, I, and I couldn't contain myself from laughing. There's nothing to laugh about. We had a huge problem. We're in the middle of nowhere with a broken coach and I was supposed to be somewhere to preach in two days. There was no, it, nothing, it wasn't going to happen. I just got filled with joy. And then all of a sudden, everyone started laughing. I didn't say anything to anyone. And we laughed and laughed. And we were so full of joy. I mean, it, and, and when it died down, it started again. It, it went on, I mean, for ages and ages and ages. We stopped. And then it would start again. The coach was so full of heavenly joy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This, this wasn't um, sort of uh, orchestrated by man or anything. This was the Holy Spirit had visited us in our need. And, uh, the, and we, we, we laughed ourselves to sleep with joy. We woke up with joy. And there was a, a knock on the, um, on the uh, coach door. And there was this man who owned the, the, the sort of restaurant that we were now obstructing. Um, and he was a Baptist, a Baptist. He was a Baptist deacon of a local church. And this was on a Sunday morning now. And he said, oh, come to church. I said, well, look, we've got this problem. He said, no, come to church. So they we all trooped off to church, not dressed as we should be or washed or anything. And they got these chairs and they sat them right at the front of church and we worshipped and then we went back. He said, come in and have breakfast. I said, look, we must explain about the coach. And uh, they took the wheel off. They jacked it up, took the wheel off and there were two enormous U-bolts that had sheared. And this deacon said, no problem. I mean, they'd sheared. And he owned a furniture factory. He got two of his uh, engineers... And within 36 hours, they had re-engineered these two bolts. I mean, they were like that. Yeah? With threads on the bottom. I mean, God is real. God wants to give you joy this morning, no matter what your circumstances are. We work on the get the circumstances right, and then I'll have joy. Get everything right around me and I'll have joy. What does um, James have to say? I know this is one of my favourite verses about counting it pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brethren, whenever you face trials of many kind. He said, when you face trials of many kind, Consider it pure joy because God is at work. Because of the goodness of God. Because of the wonder of God. Because of God's promises. Because God hasn't deserted you. Because God is with you. No matter where you are in life. Joy. God-given joy. Is something that is so precious. With issues you have fought with and battle over for years. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Know it, believe it, receive it. 
It's the thing that makes everything else in this story last. If you can retain your joy, even though the future may look a bit dim, hard, don't let your joy be rubbed from you. This morning, receive joy. And in receiving joy, you'll receive life. The very life of Jesus. I won't ask you the obvious, but who wants the life of Jesus? I do. I do. Holiday Bible Club needs it. But it's going to come through a hundred volunteers rolling up their sleeves. The joy of the Lord is going to come through musicians, young and not so young. <laughs> Don't worry, you're still young compared with others. But, but, but practicing, being committed, the sacrifice of committing yourself and having, if you just commit yourself without joy, it's an awful thing because it becomes onerous and difficult, and wearisome. But when you do it because of the joy of the Lord, oh, it's wonderful. It is the most wonderful thing in the world. Before you wake up, and before every excuse for you being miserable, you know, I've looked in the fruit of the Spirit, and there's no fruit that is misery. I can't find it. To exercise the fruit of misery. And yet Christians, we can be pretty good at it. Come and share in my misery. But it should be the opposite. Come and share in my joy. Press down, running over. What is this that's pressed down and running over? If it's not the effervescent joy of the Lord... Yeah, there may be times where something seems a task. But when you ask God for his Holy Spirit, his spirit of joy, that task can become the most wonderful thing in the world. Because you have a chance of manifesting the love of God. Hallelujah. John 15, 11. My joy may remain in you. And that your joy may be complete. That was, that was Jesus in John 15, 11. That my joy, Jesus' joy may remain in you. Whose joy is it? Jesus. It's not your joy. It's his joy. It's a gift to you. And he wants it to remain in you that his joy may be complete. You want to bring joy to Jesus? Retain his joy. And let it find an expression. The next time someone treads on your foot, what do you do? Say, what joy! But 
this is true, the next time something, someone ignores you when you're just longing for them to, to, to see you. He said, I've got the joy of the Lord. I'm not looking for joy from other people. As much as I love you, you're not my joy givers. You're Jesus' joy expressors. And when I see Jesus' joy at work in you, wow, it makes me feel pretty good. It lifts me, encourages me to walk the extra mile, encourages me to turn the cheek. Because I'm full of joy. Perhaps our musicians could come forward now. And just as I I say these words, that your joy comes from the fact that you are unconditionally loved by God. If that doesn't give you joy, I don't know what can. That today, right where you are, you are unconditionally loved by God. You can say that in your mind. I am unconditionally loved by God. If you want to confess it with your mouth, you can say it with your mouth that you are unconditionally loved by God. You're forgiven. You're restored. You're empowered to serve God. So it's more to to make this wonderful sacrifice of commitment to God in all these things these people were going to do and not have it robbed. They needed more than the word. More than prayer even. Nehemiah, there's 14 prayers in the book of Nehemiah. He's a great prayer. But it wasn't that that was going to work. It was going back to Nehemiah 8 that the joy of the Lord is your strength. So maybe we could, you could lead us in worship now. And maybe just after this song, I'll just pray over us, if we could. Thank you.